Hello, thank you for joining us today. We are really glad you're here. Here's Jim, your host of, of Time Out with Jim. So let's get started. Part 5, The Copper Features Oh, it is so dreadful, still in there. Only that, said he, looking at me keenly. Why, what do you think, I asked. What do you think that I locked this door? I am not sure that I do not know. It is to keep people out who had no business there. Do you see he was still smiling in the most admirable manner? I am sure if I had known. Well then, you know now, and if you ever put your foot over that threshold again. Here in an instant, the smile hardened into a grin of rage, and he glared down at me with the face of a demon. I'll throw you to the masters. I was so terrified that I do not know what I did. I suppose that I must have rushed past him into my room. I remember nothing until I found myself lying on the bed, trembling all over. Then I thought of you, Mr. Holmes. I could not live there any longer without some advice. I am frightened of the house of the man, of the woman, of the servants, even of the child. They were all horrible to me. If I could only bring you down, all would be well. Of course, I might have fled from the house, but my curiosity was almost as strong as my fears. My mind was soon made up. I was sent yeah, a wire. I put on my hat a cloak, went down to the office, which is about a half a mile from the house, and then returned. Feeling very much easier, a horrible doubt came into my mind as I approached the door, lest the dog might be loose. But I remember that Tyler had drunk himself into a state of insensibility that, e that evening. And I knew that he was the only one in the household who had any influence with the savage creature, or who would venture to set him free. I slipped in in safety and lay awake half the night in my joy as the thought of seeing you. I had no difficulty in getting to leave to come into Winchester this morning, but I must be back before three, for Mr. and Mrs. Rosscastle are going on a visit, and we'll be away all evening, so that I must look after the child. Now, I had told you all my adventures, Mr. Holmes, and I should be very glad if you could tell me what it all means. And above all, what should I do? 
Holmes and I listened spell, spellbound, spellbound to this extraordinary story. My friend rose and paced up and down the, the room, his hands in his pockets, and an expression of the most profound gravity upon his face. Is Tyler still drunk? he asked. Yeah, I heard his wife tell Mrs. Rushcastle that she could do nothing with him. That is well. And the Rushcastles go out tonight? Yes. Is there a cellar with a good strong lock? Yes, the wine cellar. You seem to me to have acted all through the matter like a very brave Insistible girl, Miss Hunter, do you think you could perform one more feat? I should not ask it if, if of, I should not ask it of you if I did not think you are, you are quite exceptional woman. I will try. What is it? We shall be at the Copper Beaches by seven o'clock, my friend and I. The rush castles will be gone by that time, and Tyler will, we hope, be incapable. The only remains Mrs. Tyler, who might give the alarm. If you could, if you could send her into the cellar on some errand, and then, the, and then turn the key upon her, you would facilitate matters immensely. I will do it. Excellent. We shall then look thoroughly into the affair. Of course, there is only one feasible explanation. You have been brought there to personate someone, and the real person is in prison in this chamber. That is obvious. As to who this prisoner is, I have no doubt that it is the daughter, Miss Alice Rushcastle. If I remember right, who has said to have gone to America, you were chosen, doubtless, as re resembling her in height, figure, and the color of your hair. Hers has been cut off. Very possibly, is some illness through which she has passed. And so, of course, yours had to be sacrificed too. By a curious chance, you came upon her tresses. The man in the road, who undoubtedly, some friend of hers, possibly her fiancé, and no doubt, as you wore the girl's dress, it were so like her. He was convinced from your laughter whenever he saw you, and afterwards from your gesture that Miss Rushcastle was perfectly happy, and that she no longer desired his attention. The dog is let loose that night to prevent him from endeavoring to communicate with her. So much is fairly clear. The most serious point in this case is the disposition of the child. What on earth has that to do with it? My dear Watcher, you have... you. You, as a medical man, are continually gaining light as to the tendencies of a child by the study of the parent. 
Don't you see that the converse is equally valid? I have frequently gained my first real insight into the character of parents by studying the children. The child's disposition is abnormally cruel, merely for cruelty's sake. And whether he derives this from his smiling father, as I should suspect, or from his mother, it bodes evil for the poor girl who is in their power. I am sure that you are right, Mr. Holmes, cried our client. A thousand things come back to me which make me certain that you have hit it. Oh, let us lose not an instant in bringing help to this poor creature. We must be circumspect, but we are dealing with a very cunning man. We can do nothing until seven o'clock. At that hour, we shall be with you, and it will not be long before we solve the mystery. We were as good as I were, for it was just seven when we reached the copper beaches. Having put up a trap on a wayside public house, the group of trees, with their dark leaves shining like burnished metal in the light of the lighting su setting sun, were sufficient to mark the house even had Miss Hunter had not been standing smiling on the doorstep. Have you managed it? asked Holmes. A loud thudding noise came from somewhere downstairs. That is Miss Toller in the cellar, said she. Her husband lies snoring in the kitchen rug. Here are his keys, which are the duplicates of Mr. Rushcastle's. You have done well indeed, cried Holmes with enthusiasm. Now lead the way, and we shall soon see the end of the black business. We passed up the stair, unlocked the door, followed on down a passage, and found ourselves in front of the barricade which Miss Hunter had described. Holmes cut the cord and removed the transverse bar. Then he tried the various keys in the lock, but without success. No sound came from within, and the silent Holmes face clouded over. I trust that we were not too late, said he. I think, Miss Hunter, that we had better go in without you. Now, Watcher, put your shoulder to it, and we shall see whether we cannot make our way in. It was an old rickety door that gave at once before our united strength. Together, we rushed into the room. It was empty. There was no furniture save a little pallet bed, a small table, and a basket full of linen. The skylight above was open, and the prisoner gone. There has been some villainy here, said Holmes. This beauty had guessed Miss Hunter's attention, and has carried his victim off. But how? Through the skylight. We shall soon see how he managed it. 
He swung himself up onto the roof. Ah, yes, he cried. Here's the end of a long light ladder against the eaves. This is how he did it. But it is impossible, said Miss Hunter. The ladder was not there when the rust castles went away. He has come back and done it. I tell you that he is clever and dangerous man. I should not be very much surprised if this were he chose, if this were he whose step I hear now upon the stair. I think, Watson, that it would be as well as you to have your pistol ready. The words were hardly out of his mouth before a man appeared at the door of the room. A very fat and burly man with a heavy stick in his hand. Miss Hunter screamed and shrunk against the wall at the sight of him. But Sherlock Holmes sprang forward and confronted him. You villain, said he, where's your daughter? The fat man cast his eyes around at the, op at the open skylight. It is for me to ask you that, he shrieked. You thieves, spies and thieves. I have caught you, have have I? You are in my power. I'll serve you. He turned and clattered down the stairs as hard as he could go. He's gone for the dog, cried Miss Hunter. I have my revolver, said I. Better close the front door, cried Holmes. And we all rushed down the stairs together. We had hardly reached the hall, we, we heard the baying of a hound, and then a scream of agony with a horrible, roaring sound which was dreadful to listen to. An elderly man with a red face and shaking limbs came st staggering out the side door. My God, he cried, someone had loosed the do dog. It's not been fed for two days. Quick, quick or it'll be too late. Holmes and I rushed out and found the people angle of the house with Tyler hurrying behind us. There was a huge famous brute, his black muzzle buried in Russ Castle's throat, while he writhed and screamed upon the ground running up. I blew its brains out and it fell over with its keen white teeth still meeting in the great creases of his neck. With much labor, we separated them and carried him, living but horribly mangled, into, into the house. We laid him upon the drawing room sofa, and having dispatched the sober teller to bear the news to his wife, I did what I could to relieve the pain. We were all assembled around him with the door open and a, and a tall, gaunt woman entered the room. Miss Toller, cried Miss Hunter. Yes, miss. Mr. Rushcastle let me out when he came back before he went up to you. Ah, uh, miss, it is a pity you didn't let me know what you were planning for. I would have told you that your pains were wasted. Ha! said Holmes, looking keenly at her. It is clear that Miss Toller knows more than 
about this matter than anyone else. Yes, sir, I do, and I am ready enough to tell what I know. Then pray, sit down, and let us hear it, for there are several points on which I must confess that I am still in the dark. I will soon make it clear to you, said she, and I have done so before now. If I could, if I could have got out of the cellar, if there's police court business over this, you'll remember that I was the one that stood, stood your friend, and that I, Miss Alice's friend, too. She was never happy at home. Miss Alice was it. For the time that her father married again, she was slighted like and had no say in anything. But it never really became bad for her until after she met Mr. Fowler at a friend's house. As well as I could learn, Miss Alice had rights of her own by real, but she was so quiet and patient. She was and she never said a word about them, but just left everything in Miss, Mr. Roscastle's hands. He knew he was safe with her, but when there was a chance of a husband coming forward who would ask for all that the law would give him, then her father thought it time to put a stop to it. He wanted her to sign a paper so that whether she married or not, he could use her money. When she wouldn't do it, he kept on worrying her until she got brain fever. And for six weeks was at death's door. Then he got better at last, all wore to a shadow, and with her beautiful hair cut off. But that didn't make no change in her younger in her young man. Now he stuck to her as true as man can be. Ah, said Holmes, I think that what you have been good enough to tell, good enough to tell us the matter fairly clear, is that I can deduce all the remains Mr. Rushcastle, I presume, took to the system of imprisonment. Yes, sir and brought Miss Hunter down here from London in order to get rid of the disagreeable persistent of Mr. Fowler. That was it, sir. But Mr. Fowler, being a preserving man and a good seaman, should be blockading the house and have your met you succeeded by certain arguments, metallic or otherwise. It convincing you that your interests were the same as his. Mr. Fowler was a very kind-spoken, free-handed gentleman, said Miss Toller, serenely. And in this way he managed that you, your good man could have no want of drink, and that a ladder should be ready at the moment when your master had gone out. You have it, sir, just as it happened. I am sure we owe you an apology, Miss Toller, said Holmes, for you have certainly cleared up everything which puzzled us. And here comes the country surgeon. And here comes the country surgeon.
and Mrs. Frost Casual. So I think, Watson, that we had best escort Miss Hunter back to Rochester. As it seems to me that our locus standby now is rather a questionable one. And thus we solved the mystery of the sinister house with the copper beaches in front of the door. Mr. Roscastle survived, but was always a broken man, kept alive solely through the care of his devoted wife. They still live with their old servants, who probably know so more, so much of Roosevelt, so much of Roscastle's past life, that he finds it difficult to part from them. Mr. Fowler and Mrs. Roscastle were married by special license of Southampton the day after their flight and is now the holder of a government appointment in the island of Meritus. As to Miss Violet Hunter, my friend Holmes, rather to my disappointment, manifested no further interest in her when once she had ceased to be the center of one of his problems, as she is now the head of a private school at Walsall, where I believe that she was met with considerable success. And that is the end of the final part of part five. Thank you for joining me with this story, The Copper Beaches. And I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time. We truly hope that you enjoyed this podcast today. And if it touched your heart in any way, please share it with your family and friends. Thank you for listening. And until next time, keep your heart flowing. And God bless to all.